Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Nick and Mandy's Infinite Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emmanuel. Here with me is my buddy, my pal, my friend, Nick. How are you? It's Nick again. What's up, everybody? It's been a little longer than than our usual wait since our last episode. We've both been pretty busy. I thank you more than me, but it's good to be back. This is kind of an, a fun little impromptu recording that we're doing. Yeah, we, we had plans to watch another thing, which we are still going to go watch after this episode, <laughs> but we thought we might as well get this done while we have the time currently. Yeah, we don't always have the time, and it just kind of lucked out that we do have the time. We want to we wanna give episodes to you guys as frequently as we can, and... Uh, if we find the time to be able to actually record, then we're going to do it. Yeah. And this was one of those days because it's a Saturday and we have about like six hours before anyone starts passing out. Specifically me. I start passing out way earlier. I feel that I'll be passing out in about six hours, too. Maybe a little earlier for me because I did. wake well, up. We'll see. We'll see how many episodes we get through. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We will. Cheap plug, cheap plug for the end of the show. Uh-huh. But we're here. We're here now. Nick, it's been a week. What have you been up to? It's been it's been a week. Like I said, uh, it was a work week again. Only three days this week. I had Monday off, obviously, because of Labor Day. And I had Thursday off of work, which I used to uh, play a lot of a specific game that I'll talk about a little more later. This week, I stayed in a hotel for two consecutive nights. And I, I saw a movie in that town, uh, which I have a fun story to get to. A little bit later when we talk about what we've been watching but yeah it's been a lot of work a lot of driving a lot of listening to music and podcasts and now i'm home and relaxing a little bit for the rest of this weekend we got football tomorrow so i get my first chiefs game of the season which i'm very excited for oh joy football the thing <laughs> i care the most about right now listen who are steelers playing who's their first game who are the steelers playing yeah uh all right let's check espn I'm going to guess it's someone in their division, so I'm going to guess it's someone in their division, and I'm going to say that's going to be Baltimore, but let me check. No, it's not Baltimore. I don't think it's actually Baltimore. Baltimore's got a Monday night game. Monday night football. Is that... I don't know what the football themes are. I just know that each channel... No, that's Fox. That's Fox? Okay. Sunday night football. NBC is... And I'm totally blanking on what Monday night football is right now. Oh, Monday Night Football is dun-dun-dun-dun. That's Monday Night Football. Oh, okay, yeah. Football has different themes for the different days and the different channels. Yeah, different channels more than anything. Okay, Uh, I found the Steelers. They're playing the Buffalo Bills tomorrow at noon. Uh, The Bills? We're going to win. No, the Bills went to the AFC Championship game last year. They are... Steelers are going to win. Did you see how many games we went last season without losing... Did you see how many games you lost on the back end of that season and how you lost in the first round of the playoffs? Okay, let's not talk about the back end of the season. You got blown out by Baker Mayfield. We're talking about this first game, okay? Roethlisberger, he's going to come in. He's going to be throwing all those pitches, all right? All those pitches? Yeah, all the the pitches. All the pitches that you throw in football. Yeah, like, well, isn't like a pitch when like you do a little underhand toss, right? That's a pitch. That's a shovel pass. A pitch is when you turn around and throw the ball, physically throw the ball back to your running back. That's a pitch. Yeah, sure. He's going to be throwing all those, all right? Uh-huh. We're going to get all the touchdowns. You tried to save it. You didn't succeed. We can move on from that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I succeed. I knew what a pitch was, okay? Okay. I, I said it, a pitch is technically a football term, okay? Technically. It's, it's an is, underused is, football term because it's not a play that gets run that often anymore. But it is a play that can be run. <laughs> anyways okay. i win okay. you lose bye bye sure yeah whatever <laughs> good luck to your hometown pittsburgh steelers there in arizona buddy 
Yeah, sorry. I'm a I'm a Steelers fan ever since they beat Arizona back in like 07, 09. 09. 08 season. The game happened in 09. That was a great game, by the way. It was a good game. Everyone was saying that Arizona was going to win, and I was like, nah, Steelers are going to get this. <laughs> and the Steelers won, and boom, look at where we are. You haven't done anything 12 since years then. later. Still a Steelers fan, and I don't watch a single football game. <laughs> That's fandom right there. That is fandom. Uh, okay. We can move on from sports talk. That was... Wait, 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 wait. There, there's one more thing that I want to talk about sports talk. That was CM Punk's pay-per-view match. We mentioned it on the last episode, I okay. believe. CM Punk, he came out, I believe the Lucha Bros were the opener, right? They were not the opener. They were in the middle of the card. Middle of the card, whatever. They came on before CM Punk. They did. To me, that's an opener for a person. If okay, you can say someone. undercard would be the term to use there. Fine, undercard. The opener would be like, the literal like, opening like match. Go- well sure whatever if you go to a concert you have like three openers you know that's my mentality okay well the one concert i went to only had one opener oh my goodness we're getting testy already it's only been five minutes when i went to go see coheed and cambria okay there was two openers one of them was polyphia which i was there to actually see the other one i don't remember and then the actual main act was coheed and cambria and that was actually a good concert brady if you're listening that was a good night i had fun that night yeah, the one concert I went to, which we talked about on this show a few weeks ago, was Foo Fighters. They had a band called Radke open for them, and they were totally okay, and I remember nothing else about them. That's the way that an opener usually yeah. is. They, they, want you, they want to get you going a little bit, but they're not going to be too memorable. That's not their job. Kind of like our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, CM Punk came out. Uh-huh. He had a great match. He had a very, very solid match. That was good to see him back. Yeah. He looked a little tired uh, toward the end of the match. He, you know, there's a difference between being in shape and being in wrestling shape. Uh, most wrestlers will tell you that. And I don't think he's quite in wrestling shape yet. It's been seven and a half years for him since he got in the ring, but he looked good. He didn't didn't mess anything up. He still kept up with Darby Allen in the ring and it was a good match all in all. Yeah, that, that was good. The uh, I mentioned them earlier, but the Lucha Bros, one of them did a Canadian suplex. That's not the name of the move. I know it's not, but I just wanted to say a Canadian suplex. It's actually a cooler name than that. It's the Canadian Destroyer. Canadian Destroyer. That's what it was. I knew it was Canadian something. Uh, did a Canadian Destroyer from the top of the of the ropes, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, that not looked like it hurt. It was like head first into oh, the yeah. actual mat. Yeah, they got a full rotation, so everyone was fine. But I heard their opponents, uh, the Young Bucks, their both their necks were kind of sore the next morning, understandably so. Uh, luckily, it was a cage match. Luckily, they didn't do that off the cage because they might be dead if they did that. Yeah, no, that that looked like it hurt. But you know who else gave an incredible Canadian destroyer was uh, Latin music pop star, superstar, world sensation, Mister Worldwide, Bad Bunny in his WWE uh, debut. At, he did what is it wrestlemania wrestlemania yeah, he, did he, did, he did a canadian destroyer didn't look half bad he was decent in that match too for being a celebrity who was in his first and possibly only wrestling match i mean it's like when you when there are wrestlers like or celebrities that really love the wrestling you can tell because they put the time in the other yes. one that i'll mention because they're the only other celebrity that i remember that had like a good wwe run for the however many appearances that they actually did was Stephen amell yep Stephen amell was known to be a big wrestling fan mm-hmm. and he got his chance in the wwe him and stardust they had their matches stardust came on to arrow and so that was a whole thing that formed and now Stephen amell is on the stars show reels heels heels, heels. <laughs> i don't know why i said reels but <laughs> heels yes 
Yeah, and Stardust went on to leave WWE shortly after that. He took back his name of Cody Rhodes and he started AEW. So funny how things work out. It is funny how things work out. Both of them ended up continuing with wrestling in one mm-hmm. way or another. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think Stephen Amell had actually had another match on the first AEW show back in 2018, I want to say. I and I didn't surprised. see that show, but apparently he did. He did pretty well. And that was a singles match. His first match in WWE was a tag team match, which usually they put celebrities in that kind of match so they can have three other actual wrestlers in there, help guide them through it. And so they don't have to do as much. But I don't know. Good on him for doing a singles match. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was there because of how good friends him and Cody Rhodes are. Oh, like yeah. You, like they've been very open about that stuff. But like it's Stephen Amell in general is a very physical person. I mean, he was on Arrow for eight seasons i want to say so he had to stay in that shape but like he was always very dedicated to whatever he put his mind to when when he was a part of arrow he was you know first in line leading the charge for everything and i feel like that carried over to his wwe little matches that he would do because he wanted to do something with excellence for something that he cared about yeah so i think that definitely translated over yeah like you said you can tell when someone's a fan because they put legit effort into it it's not for someone like him, it wasn't just a paycheck thing. It wasn't something he needed to do. It's not like he it's not like he was a big enough star that the company had to bring him in like they were desperate to get that attention from it. It was just something that worked out. If someone's a fan, they'll bring them in because mainstream exposure is always good. And it worked out for all parties, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. There, There's other fans of stuff that got to live their dreams that we'll get to when we talk about watching stuff but okay aew as a whole they're really hot right now especially since cm punk came back they've got a few a few new people that came in brian danielson adam cole if you know wrestling at all uh two big wwe defections they got more and more people coming in they're getting more and more popular it's it's getting interesting didn't no don't quote me on this but wasn't awesome kong I, i i could be saying that name wrong but they were the first openly transgender wrestler with AEW, correct? They were AEW was kind of the first to lead that charge. I could be wrong. Uh, you're right about AEW. Uh, awesome Kong was not that. That was Nyla Rose, who was another uh, another wrestler that they brought in, and she's still with the company, as far as I know. Um, hmm. She was the first okay. openly trans trans wrestler in any of the major promotions. Awesome Kong was a part of of AEW, but she actually retired a few weeks ago. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was something that they got a lot of attention for early on. Uh, she's gotten a lot of hate online for it, which is just terrible to see. I think that's died down a little bit since they started the company, because I remember those first few months, it was really bad for her. And I'm, I, I hope and I pray things have gotten a little better for her since then. If I were to say one criticism of AEW as a whole, they need to do some better work with their women's division, because they've got a lot, of good, a lot of good women there, and they've got a few that are getting pretty popular. They've got a good core of talent there, but they're not showcasing them enough. They only give them like one match per show, which is really not enough. If you've got another hour 45 of their main weekly show and it's all men, on, all men on there, you got 20, 30 something men on any show and you've got two to four women on a show. That's not enough. And they need to work on that. But as a whole, the show has been really good lately. Uh, I'm, I'm back into it. I didn't watch AEW for a few years after after falling off it. I think late 2019 is when I stopped. Uh, just because I was overwhelmed by college and having too much wrestling to watch. But I'm back into them, and as a whole, they're pretty solid right now. That That's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that wrestling is alive and well, even if I yeah. don't watch it or care about it. <laughs> just like sports. <laughs> yeah, just like sports. Okay, listen, sports, 
I know less. Okay, wrestling, I feel like I know enough because of years of just watching people talk about wrestling. Yeah. That I can sort of talk my way through things. Yeah, you can pull some names and have, have enough of a conversation like we're doing right now with an educated person so that you can keep the conversation moving. Oh, did I ever tell you about that time that, I, that uh, in high school? I was part of robotics and stuff. So we had a booth at our local Comic-Con and Jake the Snake was there signing oh. autographs and taking photos and stuff. Yeah. Did you meet him? No, I didn't meet him. Um, but my dad's uh, co-worker, he's a big Jake the Snake fan. So when he saw that, he's like, yo, Jake the Snake is here. And I'm like, yeah, Jake the Snake is here. I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't met that many wrestlers. I've only been to a couple wrestling shows. I went to one, like a really small one at a local high school when I was a kid. Uh, for anybody that knows wrestling, at that little show, I saw Harley, I met Harley Race there and I met Buff Bagwell there and he signed a little a little picture for me that I still have up in my room, even though I've become much less of a Buff Bagwell fan over time. Uh, those were the two that I met. And since then, I've gone to two uh, WWE shows, including one a few months ago. Haven't met any other wrestlers or any other celebrities, really. So I don't have much experience on that front to talk about. Yeah, I haven't met a whole lot. I know that when I went to Houston for robotics competition, where the last competition was in the Astro Stadium. So that was cool. Oh, wow. Um, I know that Will I Am was there. Chris Tucker was there. Oh. And uh, I have a photo with Emma Dumont, who played one of the characters. She played Polaris in uh the fox x-men show the gifted so i have a photo with her oh i've i forgot that show existed yeah you know a lot of people tend to forget about it it wasn't the worst thing in the world given all the surrounding circumstances i know that one of the actors looks like oscar isaac and it kind of bothers me <laughs> that it wasn't oscar isaac he's discount oscar it. isaac it, it's like when you order oscar isaac from wish that's what you get. <laughs> we have oscar isaac at home yeah, and that's the Oscar Isaac that they had. Well, um, they they couldn't cast him because they already had Oscar Isaac in another X Men property. They did. He we was know an how that went. Apocalypse. <laughs> I liked that movie the couple times I saw it. It's been a while. I don't know if I'd still like it today. I like the Quicksilver scene in X Men Apocalypse. <laughs> I can't remember much else from it outside from the line where they're like, "Everything they built will fall, and from their ashes will build a better world," <laughs> or something like that. But that was the line in every single trailer uh -huh. and it was like all right come on folks we're seeing the same thing the other line i remember i think it was a trailer line when he touches the tv to get to get all the information into his brain and he's just like learning really slow that actually wasn't a trailer line that oh, was wasn't? just in the movie no okay. that was just in the movie so it made that much of an impression for me dude touched the tv and he was able to absorb all the information from all of time that he'd missed a few thousand yeah. years if probably more than that i don't remember it really is a shame about those last two X-Men films because yeah. they have a good cast. And and I do like those settings that they're in, the 80s and 90s, especially for the X-Men. I mean, come on. But it is a shame about what happened with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they all they obviously fell apart. And I, I just always found it weird that they felt the need to skip forward a decade for every single one. A decade one. each time. Yeah. It's it like you're weird. You the can't actors do... didn't age with no. me. It, it was. It's like three years between movies. They're not going to age. Especially when you cast when you cast good looking actors who are rich and have access to all the stuff that can keep them looking young, they're not going to look aged. The one that I always feel bad that got shafted really hard was Lana Condor playing Jubilee, because like I remember when that announcement was made that like oh Jubilee's going to be an X Men Apocalypse, like everyone was really excited. They were like oh cool, we're going to get this and that and all that stuff. 
and I think she has a scene, but I think it got cut. And so she's just there in the background without a, without saying anything. Okay, she got cut because like, that makes sense. Because I was going to say, I've seen Days of Future Past and Apocalypse at least a few times. I thought she might have been in Days of Future Past for some reason. No, she's in Apocalypse. Okay. She's not in Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past is great, by the way. It's yes. not like the source material, but I really do like Days of Future Past a lot. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I was just going to say, I don't, I legit do not remember her in that movie. So if she's not in that movie in, in Apocalypse, if she got cut, then that would make sense because I feel like I would at least remember something. She's in the movie, but she doesn't have a line. So she's just there. She just like a student at the school. Yeah, they don't bring attention to her. Uh-huh. But but what was actually really OK, so we're just going on a little tangent now about X-Men, <laughs> but they have all these great interviews with the cast of X-Men and she was always there. Uh-huh. So it was like she was clearly somewhat important but they cut her out but there's this interview that they have with mtv where it's the x-men students going to like a group therapy together Mm -hmm. so you have like oh alexandra ship is storm you have the quicksilver actor playing quicksilver lana condor is there playing jubilee and all this stuff and they're just all roasting each other because they hate the x-men like oh the x-men is terrible because of this reason (laughs) that reason we're being sent out to die and we're teenagers and all that kind of stuff so it's like i like that kind of marketing campaign when they play with the characters themselves yeah and sort of try to use the characters to promote the movie love them or hate them i feel like that's why deadpool is also very successful is because Mm -hmm. they're willing to just sort of be like no we're just going to talk about whatever we want because these characters are cool and so that's why in my opinion they do so well yeah it's just you get a little bit of leeway when you get meta when you have a character like deadpool who's meta you get some leeway in terms of how you can market your stuff you don't just have to do the standard posters trailers that every movie gets and then by the time the movie comes out you're exhausted from all the marketing material i remember the the best marketing that i actually ever saw for deadpool was the little short that they played before logan which is a total tonal shift from that short to logan but I remember loving that more than I loved anything in Deadpool 1 or in like the 30 minutes that I saw of Deadpool 2. Interesting. I thought you were going to say the uh, cancer campaign that they were doing because... The what? Oh, so I don't know if you know this, but when Deadpool 1 was coming out because of Deadpool having testicular cancer and all that stuff, they were using Deadpool to get people informed about testicular cancer and to say like, hey, if you're feeling this, go get checked out for if you might have this and like saying like, here's how you check yourself. If you do feel this, go see a doctor. And so... In my opinion, I'm like, that's a cool way to promote both the character, the story, and then also, like, your health. Yeah. Because it all made sense with each other. Huh. Yeah, I legit didn't know that. So, while we're on the topic of X-Men, I kind of want to go into the big story in terms of gaming this week, which was the PS5 showcase. Mm -hmm. So, we are known Xbox prefers. You currently don't have a PlayStation. I do have a playstation that i use regularly not as much as my xbox but i do have a playstation i have played exclusives i i am very i'd like to say that i'm fair when it comes to my criticisms of playstation as a whole a lot of it isn't a lack of games or a lack of anything else of that stuff it's more sort of the business side of playstation i'm not a fan of their of the way that they handle cloud saves. I'm not a fan of the way that they handle upgrades. I'm not a fan of the way that their customer service works with people, the refund policies, that kind of stuff that makes me not like PlayStation as a whole. But 
the PlayStation 5 showcase was great. It was fantastic. They started off strong with one of my favorite games that I am glad to see back in the mainstream. And I'm so happy that this rumor that was rumored two, three years ago, which was the KOTOR remake, Knights of the Old Republic, which is a Star Wars game. And I could not be happier. <laughs> um, it's interesting that the KOTOR remake is going to be a PS5 exclusive when the original Knights of the Old Republic was an Xbox exclusive. I just, I find the irony in that to be really funny, yeah. but it is also coming to PC. I was, I was going to ask that. I thought I saw that it was a timed exclusive. Is it a timed exclusive? I thought I might have seen that. Like it will be a PS5 exclusive at launch, I think was the, the exact wording that I saw. So I wonder if they'll bring if they'll bring it over down the line to series. If X. that's the case, then I mean cool. But it is also launching on PC, yeah. So that's also very cool. I do like if exclusives do end up launching on PC. That's also really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, they started off strong with that. They showed a couple other games: Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is Borderlands, but D and D, and those are. Two things that I just love. I don't know if you've played a whole lot of Borderlands. I beat Borderlands 2 with friends. I, I played through it once. I played like 20 minutes of Borderlands 3. I've played Borderlands 2 a lot. I've played Borderlands pre-sequel. I've never finished the campaign. So I've played maybe like seven or eight hours of Borderlands pre-sequel. Mm-hmm. Then I've played through Borderlands 3 a couple times. But Borderlands 2 had a DLC called Bunkers and Badasses. No, Assault on Dragon Keep. It was Borderlands 2 Assault on Dragon Keep, which was Tiny Tina hosting a D&D light game for their in-game equivalent called Bunkers and Badasses. Mm-hmm. And so in that DLC, it's like two, three hours or whatever, um, but you're playing through a D&D game. And so Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is that, but extended to a whole complete magic systems, spells, and of course you're going to have your guns and stuff, but it just looks, it looks great. I can't wait until March. Two of my friends right after that trailer showed off, they're like, all right, so I've spent $200 on this game already because <laughs> they bought, they bought like the $90 goodie package that doesn't even have the game in it. Uh, and then they bought like the $80 version. Deluxe edition or whatever. Yeah, that comes with the DLC for the game. Huh. They they are known Borderlands fans. Like my friend Trevor, he, at one point he could list every legendary in Borderlands 2 and their alterations, like the different modifiers on them. Mm-hmm. So he's big into Borderlands 2. They've bought pretty much the giant collector's pack each time. This is their game. This is, you know, the equivalent of their Smash or their Zelda or something like that. This is their game. And so yeah. I'm very happy to to see it come out in March. And then I'm excited to play it with them because it's going to be a fun time. It actually comes with their own. They made a campaign of Bunkers and Badasses for you and your friends to play like D&D. So that's going to be fun for us to play through together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I didn't watch the presentation. I saw most of the major announcements just on Twitter or wherever or in our, or in our Discord. Uh, so I didn't actually know until you just explained the game that it wasn't, in terms of gameplay, it wasn't normal Borderlands. It is normal Borderlands. You are shooting, you are upgrading your abilities and stuff. You are looting like crazy, but they added in spells they've added in swords they've added in crossbows they've added in a multi-class system they've added in dragons and stuff for you to play through as if it was a D world so it okay. is still borderlands at its core but they've added in a lot of different 
mechanics to make it feel more like a medieval kind of game but okay. mixed with the other two so it looks it looks interesting i'm excited to see it yeah that sounds that sounds interesting for a spinoff game i don't have any like strong feelings about it otherwise i i doubt i'll ever actually get around to playing it but it seems like people were really excited about it more than i thought they would be when i heard the game was announced like last year or whenever they announced it it was in july yeah that it, it was announced yeah it sounds like they're putting a bit more into it than i thought they would which is cool no, yeah, this is a, I think they had one of the writers from Borderlands 3 be the, the head writer for this, but this is mm. completely not related to Borderlands 3. It's its own. Did you ever play Far Cry Blood Dragon? Never played any no. Far Cry. Okay, so, but like, do you know about like those games that are not sequels or whatever, but they're yes. their own standalone kind of thing. So it's like that. It's like okay. uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, for instance, where it's not a technically a sequel or anything like that. It's its own side story, but it mm -hmm. uses the mechanics that we've seen before that feel familiar while adding different things. So it's that kind of a game. Yeah, when you described this game at first, when you explained it was like a D&D &D campaign, in my head, I was thinking it would be like the standalone Gwent game that they brought from Witcher 3. It sounds like no. it's much more than sounds like it's much more no. than that. No, Gwent was very much Gwent was even more different than than what was in Witcher 3, because I've played Gwent and I did play that Gwent Adventures game and stuff. But this is very much hey, look, it's Borderlands, but mm -hmm. we're following a different group of characters with a good cast. I think it's Octavia Spencer. I know that Andy Samberg is one of the main characters. Okay. I think Octavia Spencer is another one. They got like a ridiculous cast for this game, and it seems right up Andy Samberg's. Did I, did I say Adam Sandler earlier? I meant Andy Samberg. No, you said Andy um, Samberg. Okay, okay. Sorry, sometimes I, sometimes I just feel like I say one or the other. <laughs> they did um, play but... father and son once. And that's my boy. Uh -huh. um, uh, but Andy Samberg is going to be in it. And I feel like this is a perfect game to for him to be part of. I did see some. I don't think they were talking about this game in particular. I think they were talking about the Boss Baby sequel. With, did that have Jeff Goldblum in it? Did the Boss Baby have Jeff the, Goldblum The second in it? one as like the villain or whatever? Let me check real quickly. The whole point I was going to make is that I saw a tweet either yesterday or today about how it's happening more and more in movies and in games that they're doing... I don't want to stunt casting might be too harsh, but they're casting big names for animation and voice actors like actual experienced voice actors are actually kind of getting left in the dust a little bit. They're bringing in stars that don't don't necessarily put the same level of effort in. They're just brought in for their star power. And I don't know. I think that might detract from the quality a little bit. I don't know if it's as much of an issue in uh, movies as it, as it is in games sometimes, because I do feel that way in games sometimes. Like, did you really need to cast a famous person for this? I think sometimes it's just fun. Um, the uh, by the way, Jeff Goldblum is indeed in the Boss Baby family business. That's interesting. I did not know that. But as for stunt casting, I mean that's a thing with every every department. I mean we see a lot of stunt casting in musical theater. We see a lot of stunt casting in film adaptations. But like one of the castings that is good, but I just feel like it's stunt casting is. Uh, who they cast for Blue Beetle, which is the Cobra Kai kid, Shola Marodonia. I mean, yeah, but really, I feel like that's sort of like my version of stunt casting. I feel like it could have gone to someone else. But uh, when it comes to games, I do feel like that does sometimes happen. I can't remember a lot of celebrity voices in a game. I know that it's happened before, but I can't really remember it. So I feel like that has something to speak about 
performances or the game itself. Um, but as for Borderlands, it's always been goofy pop culture referential. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had an entire side mission where you had to go defeat Wiccan Warty. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of the thing of being self like I don't want to like excuse it, but I see it as sort of baked into the DNA of Borderlands is having those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, I do get that. Uh, and as you were saying that, I was trying to think of games that I was, or at least games that have big stars in it. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is what's is it Far Cry Six that's coming out? They've got uh, Far Cry Six, yeah, Giancarlo, Giancarlo Esposito. Esposito. I mean, he looks good in the game. Yeah, but, I'm sure he'll like, be good. But that's it. Feels like, uh, and they're probably doing this with mocap as well. I don't know if he did the mocap, but I know like Death Stranding, which has Norman Reedus and Guillermo del Toro and Leah Sedu and maybe even a couple other people in it. They yeah, were doing uh, Matt Mickelson. They were doing Margaret uh, Wally. Oh, she in that too? Yeah, she's in there yeah. too. They were doing full performance capture for that game, so I get it in that sense. And you know, it's Kojima. He's weird. He's it's a, Kojima. He's a he's a massive movie fan. So this is him making a movie without making a movie for whatever reason. I think he should just make a movie at some point. I think he should make a movie too. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm critical of Kojima because I sort of feel like he's weird for weird's sake. Yeah, but kinda. I am always glad when a creator gets to get their vision out, even if it's not for me. I am glad that he was able to get Death Stranding out after all the torment that he went through with Metal Gear Solid Five and yeah. having to leave Konami and all that other stuff. Yeah, I'm with you there. Those were just the two recent examples I can think of. I'm sure there are more in gaming. One one series that actually kind of went the opposite route that I appreciate is uh, GTA. Because the old GTAs through San Andreas, they had a bunch of famous voice actors. Like I remember Vice City had like Luis Guzman, Burt Reynolds, uh, Ray Liotta is the main is the voice of the main character in that. I want to say Ice Cube was also in that. Uh, I don't know if he's in Vice he City. In one, I don't. I don't. He's in one of them, I think. Uh, Samuel Jackson is in uh, San Andreas. Uh, there's there's more than just him in San Andreas. I can't pull any of them right now. I think David Cross might be. There's a few more. But GTA, since four, four and five don't have famous actors in those roles, they might have a couple little cameos, but like main story characters are all just voice actors. And I appreciate that. You know who does do a lot of celebrity casting? Call of Duty. Yeah. Call of Duty does a lot of it. There's the obvious one in Advanced Warfare. Oh, Um, yeah, that guy. Infinite Infinite Warfare has Kit Harington. And Conor McGregor, doesn't it? And Conor McGregor. World World War II is Josh Josh Duhamel. Uh-huh. Oh, is that it? Ice Cube. No, Ice Cube. Was Ice Cube in was in Black, Black Ops. Ops. He's yes. in Black Ops. Snoop. One of the things that I do actually like about the celebrity voicing is if they'll get them to do like the announcer packs. I remember oh, yeah. Call of Duty <laughs> Ghost. They had Snoop Dogg do it, and mm-hmm. it was great. Like I kind of like it if they're like a celebrity announcer. Oh, Dave Batista was in Gears Five. Yep. They they did they remade Gears Five with Dave Batista in it as a playable experience, yep. which is just I, on top of me just wanting him to be in a Gears movie. I just think that it's cool mm-hmm. that one personally because it doesn't take away from the story. It's just him there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I hear you. There's there's a lot of it, and I saw like I think it's a legit concern that I've heard like some voice actors express before. And I don't know, it's just something interesting. I feel like it's happening more than it did, say, five, ten years ago. I don't know that for a fact. It just feels like I see more of it, especially on the gaming side of things. No, I feel you. So outside of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, I'm going to go through the others that I saw that I liked. Forspoken, which is this game that was used to show off the Unreal 5 engine, um, which is a video game engine 
that they use to make a whole lot of games uh but forespoken this looks like an avatar the last airbender game set in medieval times with sort of a final fantasy feel so you play this main female character which i believe is played by janina gavankar who okay. played Aiden Versio in Star Wars Battlefront 2. But you play as this character, and it looks like you go through a portal and you're sent back in time. And there are these bands on your arm that end up actually allowing you to use powers and stuff. So you're going through and you're using, like, water balls. Like, you can lift up your enemies, put them in a water ball, freeze the water, and then sort of explode it. Or you can build walls out of rocks or put mines down with your rocks. You can fly a little bit with the maneuverability. Oh, it looks like Avatar The Last Airbender and Infamous set in a medieval time. Did I don't... Why am I asking? You haven't played Infamous. No, um, I have not. I haven't had Infamous a PlayStation is, since the PS2. Yes. Uh, but do you know of Infamous? Like what it is kind of? Uh, I know the basics. So yeah, Infamous, you play as a person who gets superpowers and you can use them for either good or bad and that affects your power set and all that other stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but the the movement looked really similar to the infamous that I've played, which is Second Son. It looked very similar to that, even some of the animation. So I am wondering how much of that inspired Forspoken. But that's a game that I'm really interested in and I want to see more of. And I believe that comes out sometime next year. Okay, uh, That looks cool. Yeah, that wasn't one that I heard about. I heard about a, a couple other ones that I'm sure you're about to get to. I think I'm about to get to the last four. I can't think of any other big ones except for the last four sony knocked it out of the park with these last four i'll start with one that isn't huge in my opinion which is gran turismo 7 gran turismo is sony's equivalent of forza or Mm -hmm. forza is microsoft's equivalent of gran turismo but it's a simulation racing game and this looks like really good outside of the visuals and stuff it looks super customizable super in depth with your cars the weather systems all that kind of stuff but what i will say is that it's very much a serious simulation game which i know motorsport is also that equivalent for forza but i feel like gran turismo does that better personally from what i've seen yeah, But Forza Horizon is just way more enjoyable. It's fun. It's, I don't want to say goofy, but it's goofy. They have different modes that you can interact with your, with your friends. You can play with a whole myriad of cars and all this other stuff, radios. I'm very excited for both of them, but I, I'm, of course, going to lean more towards Forza. But with regards to simulation driving, I do feel like Gran Turismo probably is better in regards to that yeah i feel like uh racers in general other than like mario kart which is in a a different league pretty much in terms of racing games because it's so different i think you know forza and uh gran turismo i don't think on the whole they generate that much excitement i know there's certain people we know if you uh we know someone in our discord i think it's ramon who is really into forza and he can't wait for the new one like they have their fans and I think a lot of people play them casually, but I don't know if they generate as much hype as, you know, your your other AAA games. No, I don't assume that they do, but I think Forza actually does generate a lot of hype because of the Horizon series and how much people actually do like those. I know a lot of people that have said like, oh, I don't like racing games, but I do like Forza Horizon. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that does do it. But I mean, I can't speak to any of those numbers. Okay. Then we see 
a Sony and a Sony Entertainment logo come up. We see a pole. We see some lightning hit the pole, and then a dude hit the pole, and we're like, "Oh, this is an Infamous reboot," because we haven't had Infamous in years. It cuts to Spider-Man symbol on his chest, and we're like, "Oh, this is Spider-Man too." We hear this voiceover from what we all assume is Craven the Hunter. He was a popular Spider-Man villain. Craven's Last Hunt is a big story where Spider-Man's identity gets revealed and everyone starts hunting him. Um, but we hear this voiceover from Craven talking about like, oh, I've been hunting this and that. Can anyone actually give me what I want? We go to like pitch black darkness and we hear a voice that says like, oh, we will. And we cut to Venom's eyes and his mouth open and we get the reveal Spider-Man 2, Marvel Spider-Man 2, releasing 2023. That is quite interesting that they would release it that they would announce it this early i i've had this conversation with a friend of mine where it's like why would you want to announce it two years in advance and then maybe not show anything for another year but it is cool to know that they are working on it it looks like it's going to be when i say it looks like it's going to be i just mean based on the on the cinematic cg trailer um they have spider spider-man and miles working together so it looks yes. like it is gonna have some form of co-op in it which will be interesting i wonder if they'll do it kind of the arkham style where there will be some parts that you need to complete as catwoman or some that you can complete as batman or mm -hmm. having the team-ups in action um so i wonder if they'll sort of implement that but then there's also another theory going around it that you will actually be able to play as venom in the game so i'm interested to see what this game does but it's two years away so it's going to be out of sight, out of mind until the next time that they show it, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that I, I don't like when games get announced so far in advance. Like, Bethesda was very bad about it. Three and a half years ago, when they announced uh, Elder Scrolls Six and uh, Starfield, we finally got another trailer for Starfield this year, and we've still seen no gameplay. So by the time that game comes out, it'll have been four and a half years out. And Elder Scrolls, I have no idea when that's coming. Like, that's obviously the extreme end of that. But in general, I do prefer if you announce your games with at least something to show or at least something to show sometime soon but it doesn't seem like that will be the case for the spider-man game we might get a little bit of gameplay at e3 next year but that would be the soonest that we would get anything about it with regards to starfield and i do agree that they showed it too early but i think bethesda has always been known for pretty much elder scrolls and then you know they had fallout for about that decade or so that they were working with so i think that it was I don't want to say like good, but I do think that they wanted to show we're going to be more than just these two franchises. And so I think they wanted to show Starfield to be like, hey, this is our next big adventure. It's years away, which they had said multiple times. It's years away, but this is what we're going for next. So I think that was fine ish. Yeah. Elder Scrolls, it's another one of those things of the franchise has been gone for so long and everyone had been sort of harassing them. So it's kind of that thing of like, all right, here's your title now. Shut up. <laughs> but I do agree that Elder Scrolls in particular was shown way too early. It's gonna yeah. be another at least three, four years until we see Elder Scrolls six. Mm -hmm. I think at the very least if you're gonna show something crazy early, the next time you show it, you better have gameplay to show. And Starfield did not have that. So it doesn't feel like we can't actually tell that they're far along in development. It feels much farther away than it would feel otherwise if they'd actually shown that the game is playable at this point. Yeah, it is always that thing of when do you release something? Yeah. Like, like the biggest example, well, two of the biggest examples I can think of. Cyberpunk being shown eight, nine years in advance. 
and then still not being finished when they released it eight years yeah, later. There's that one, and then the other one is Nintendo being like, "Metroid Prime Four is coming," uh, and it hasn't come. No, they Nintendo. literally they come literally on. started over from the beginning. Yep, two years Absolutely. after they announced it. So it's been That's... almost three years since that announcement. Let's hope that they at least give us something about it next year. We got a 2D Metroid in the meantime, which I'm very excited for. I think we get Metroid Prime 4 when the Switch Pro releases. <laughs> mm, I think if the Switch Pro, if an actual Switch Pro is a thing, and I don't want to bog this down with the same Switch Pro talk that everyone has, has had for the last like two years. If we ever get a Switch Pro, I think it'll be with Breath of the Wild 2. And if it's not with Breath of the Wild 2, we're not getting one interesting breath of the wild one struggles on the wii u and and even on the switch you got frame rate drops in the more cluttered areas like the forest when they have to render rain and lightning and stuff like that breath of the wild one struggled day one on the switch and every game since then well not every game but a lot of the big games since then have had frame rate drops issues running and it's not getting any better as the hardware ages and i think if they don't do if they don't do it for breath of the wild 2 that game's going to have some issues running and they're either going to remedy it or they're not. And I honestly don't know which they're going to do since it's Nintendo. And we finally got an announcement of a revised Switch this year. And it's literally just a slightly bigger screen for the handheld. And it's in uh, it's an LED model. That's it. Hey, there's a LAN port on there, too. Now oh, I'm sorry. The LAN port. Oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm so sorry. So you think that it comes with Legend of Zelda. I think it comes with Mario Odyssey, too. If, if we get a Mario Odyssey, too. I feel I'm like, pretty sure they said that they're going to do another Mario Odyssey. But whether we get one on this console or not is the thing. I don't think, I'm not sure we will. This console is only going to have a seven year lifespan. We've got two and a half years left, roughly. How long was the Wii lifespan? The Wii was six years. It was 06 to 2012. They said, I think, that they want they anticipate a seven year lifespan for the Switch, even with how well it's doing. Hmm, so that's, t- that's until 2024. I think it comes with the next Mario game because of how much 3D World uh, Bowser's Fury struggled with it mm-hmm. i think they're like all right if we want to do another 3d mario in the way that they were sort of pitching it with bowser's fury they need a switch pro yeah so i think it actually comes with a switch pro and they mm-hmm. leave zelda to be the way that it is i just think it's rare for them to release a sequel to like a big series on the same console they did it with Gal- with majora's mask and they did it with galaxy 2 on the wii that's pretty much it so it's it's odd to me that they're actually doing one with Breath of the Wild, especially with how massive Breath of the Wild is. I don't think they'll actually do one with Mario. I think they're going to wait till the next console for Mario and for a new Mario Kart as well. I do agree that we don't get a new Mario Kart soon. I want a new Mario Kart. I it's really been, do. <laughs> we didn't even get a new Mario Kart on the Switch, but it's the best-selling Mario Kart or best-selling game on the Switch, period, and by far the best-selling Mario Kart. Because Mario Kart 8 slaps. But it's also a Wii U game. It's not necessarily the most exciting title, but everybody Splatoon buys it. Splatoon 2 was also a Wii U game, right? No, Splatoon 1 was a Wii U game. This was just So, so then there's another one, Splatoon 2 and Splatoon 3. Same same yeah. console. Yeah, so it, it happens. It's just they don't do it with every series. Some, some of them, they take a long time to develop. Usually the Mario, the 3D Mario games, they do take a long time to develop. Bayonetta 1 and 2, was that both Wii? I don't know. I think Bayonetta 2 is, was on the Wii U, but I don't know Bayonetta that well. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. We're still waiting for Bayonetta 3 on the Switch. I think that was announced the same day as Metroid Prime 4 in 2017. I'm sure it was. <laughs> That's not a series I care about, but yeah, we 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 broke off into Nintendo conversation during the Sony talk, and we still got we a did. couple of stories to go into on Sony's side. Yeah, we got two more that I want to hit on. Okay. Insomniac, known for making Marvel Spider-Man, 
Ratchet and Clank, a bunch of bunch of good games. I love Insomniac. They make good games. They announced that they're working on a Wolverine game. Yes. Uh, on Thursday. Thursday? Thursday was the Sony event. I don't know my <laughs> days. Thursday was a Sony event, and they announced that they're working on, on a Wolverine game. And that's even further away than Spider-Man. And I'm like... Oh, yeah. I'm like, Insomniac, I, I, I love you. You make great games. I don't know why you needed to show this this early. I think if you showed gameplay for Spider-Man and said, oh, Spider-Man comes out in whatever. If they show it in July of 2022 and they say, all right, the game comes out April 2023. And then you sort of show, oh, yeah, here's our next game is Wolverine. I feel like that would have been better. But showing off both games at the same time, I felt was like, eh. Eh, you could have waited on that. Yeah. But I don't think they needed to knock it out of the park. PlayStation 5s have been selling like crazy, but there has been that pushback of where's all the games, Sony? And so they yeah. wanted to show here's the games. Yeah, they they need a home run just so that, like, especially going into the holiday season when hopefully stock will be a little better. Hopefully they'll be able to sell more, some software along with their hardware. And obviously I don't know if any of that. What do they have on the docker for the rest of the year? Nothing. Literally nothing. Nothing's coming out in November. Like exclusive wise, nothing. Nothing huge. Horizon got pushed back. Gran Turismo got pushed back. Out of War got pushed back. Yeah. No new Uncharted. No new Last of Us. Which we didn't see that Last of Us remake rumor, which I hope is not real. But were they gonna do like the G? Or is it Last of Us Two remake like they did for the no, re- 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 remake? No, no, no. A remake of the Last of Us One. I'm like, why? Why? Not not a remaster. A remake. Anyway, what's, what's there um, to even fix? Was the gameplay that bad eight years ago? Listen, I've been on the record of not liking Last of Us gameplay. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's just the way the game is, and I don't think it needs to be remade. I think it runs fine. Like, no, I, you I don't, don't need a full remake, certainly. No, you don't need. I don't even think you need to remaster it. I think no. playing the PS4 version on your PS5, it'll be fine. Yeah. You understand yeah. when it was made. It's not like KOTOR, which needs a heavy uplift, and they said that they're doing from the ground up, mm-hmm. remaking everything. Now that um, KOTOR, I didn't actually talk about it much when you mentioned it earlier. KOTOR is interesting to me because I wonder, did they say who's developing it? Aspire, who has been known to port uh, Star Wars games over to mobile. They did the port for KOTOR, and I believe KOTOR too, to okay. mobile and to Steam. So they have experience with this project in general okay so i wonder and i don't know if it would have been any different if bioware was involved i wonder if this is still going to be the same turn-based rpg that it was i wonder if it'll actually become an action adventure game that's the question that 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 was my thought i'm like are they really going to try and wow people with a a remake of a turn-based rpg because that's not turn-based rpgs do sell really well they do but also like I don't know. They would need like they're obviously it's a remake. So they're going to change some of the formula of the game because that game was was, you know, came out in 2003. It was clunky. Like you can't get around that. And I was I was just that was my gut when I saw that trailer was that I I don't think this is going to be the same turn based RPG that it was. Like you've got to have those elements in terms of the conversation. But I think the gameplay is going to be different. Did you play Dragon Age Inquisition? No. Okay. I I played Mass Effect 2. Uh, okay. I played some of three and I played I've played like half of the first KOTOR. I've gotten to Tatooine. Gotcha. Dragon Age Inquisition did this thing. It was active action and stuff, but you could stop the game 
position your players in different places and have them do different things. So they okay. sort of had that best of both worlds. The other one that I was going to bring up was Final Fantasy VII Remake, yes. which used that active active combat and stuff. But mm-hmm. when you wanted to use like specific things, the map would slow down a bit. You could go to your menus, you could pick all that stuff, and then you could choose what you wanted to do. So if they end up trying to go for something like that, I think that's kind of likely of what they would do but we don't know anything about the project other that it's been in development for a while now i mean these rumors stem back to like 2019 about a code Mm -hmm. remake well i remember the the rumors were back in like 2018 2019 that that was the next movie or series that they were developing i think that was was that what what the the benioff and weiss thing was rumored to be that was the rumor and then we got high republic which is different than old republic but it's sort of in that time area which i am happy about i like the old republic high republic era Mm -hmm. of multiple jedi and multiple sith yeah Um, and just get me out of the uh the period between return of the jedi and force awakens or just get me out of the period where the movies are taking place at the very least yeah no i'm with you i i would even like stuff set in the clone wars i love the prequel era uh, the era i don't love the prequels yeah. <laughs> i like revenge there, there's of the a distinction sith. there's a lot of good stuff to like about everything about the prequels yes i like i like revenge of the sith i partly for all I the memes and stuff but i do genuinely love that movie i think it's good in my i opinion. think it's good it's not revenge of the mid but, <laughs> but it's, it's not I the phantom midas yeah it's not attack of the mid you know yeah. um but i do love that prequel era and there haven't been a whole lot of big games in that era, but I'm fine with that because mm-hmm. I feel like KOTOR, the old Republic in general, is sort of longing to be touched again. And so I'm glad yeah. to see it get touched again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do. I think if they have to keep the conversation system, at least, you know, in somewhat similar vein because your choices are so key to KOTOR. So they'll have to do something to keep that. But I just feel like that core gameplay when you're actually battling, that's going to be different. That's just a gut feeling. No, for sure. As it as it should be. I mean, it's oh, yeah. 18 years old. By the time mm-hmm. it comes out, it'll be 19, 20 years old. Yeah. So it's it's in that's one of the games that is in need of a remake, not like Dead Space, which I am happy that Dead Space is getting more love. It's one of those games like Dead Space still runs well. I've played it, you know, a couple months ago. It still runs fine. Yeah. You know. So the last the last story that you were saving, I, I know what you're gonna talk about. You're gonna talk about Grand Theft Auto Five. Grand Theft Auto Five, baby, yeah. coming twenty twenty two on the Nintendo yeah. Switch. I'm kidding, it's not coming to the Nintendo Switch, it's coming to the PlayStation <laughs> Five. Uh it's getting that re released, but you know what else is getting re released this year? Skyrim is getting another re release oh, yeah. on the next gen. Let's consoles. fucking go. At least I don't have to pay to upgrade Skyrim. I thought you had to pay like 10 bucks. I think if you already own it, you don't have to. I think is what I saw. Oh, okay. I know that on PC, it's a free upgrade. Um, Okay. I don't know about on consoles. All these Uh re-releases. I mean, they're good games, but it's... GTA V, I don't think is that good anymore. That online mode is so cluttered that I can't stand it personally. I'm not talking about the online. I think GTA V has a good story. I think GTA... I think GTA V has a lot of good things to do it's very fun to play just mm-hmm. the online mode and the monetization of everything kind of kill yeah. everything so yeah it's, but it's still like it's still like the second most played game on xbox yeah it's <laughs> so huge. it's like they got they have no incentive to make another one and that's the worst feeling in the world because i hate what they've done to online and i would like to go back to playing gta at some point in my life yeah no yeah 
Um, okay. But so what was the one, real one that you were waiting for? My favorite PS4 exclusive of last year was not Spider-Man. It wasn't Uncharted. Definitely wasn't Last of Us 2. Wasn't Infamous. Wasn't Ghost of Tsushima. Wasn't Horizon Zero Dawn. It was God of War. Yep. That game just oh, fills me with power like no other. I mm-hmm. love that game. It's a great story. I love Boy. And so we had the announcement last year. God of War Ragnarok, it's coming. They said summer 2021. We all knew that was a lie, but it was delayed. And so we finally saw our first look at God of War Ragnarok this year. Mm-hmm. Man, it looks so good. It's it, Here's what I will say. The pandemic has affected a lot of video game studios and them having to release on both consoles i feel like that's one of the things that is not noticeable or anything like that but like you can acknowledge oh this probably isn't what it would have looked like if it was just released on ps5 that being said the game looks great boy has grown up a lot as has the actor sonny soldier he grew up so they made the character grow up and all that stuff so it looks like it takes place a couple years after God of War PS4 mm-hmm. and the story. I mean, it's already interesting. Boy is trying to figure out who certain characters are. And the whole point of it is Kratos doesn't want to go to war again with Odin and Thor and all this stuff. But Boy is like, no, let's go to war. And so it looks like it's going to be Kratos and Boy versus Asgard. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this game. It looks great. Uh, they showed off a couple kills and combos and stuff it looks great i can't wait for this game i mean it looks great i'm very excited that game like i said it makes me just feel powerful and i love kratos and i love the relationship that he has with his son i cannot wait for this game it's gonna be good they still haven't set a release date yet i will guess summer of next year i think it's fall horizon is february i think god of war is like august september okay yeah, I, w- I would have said like July, but we're probably in the right ballpark. Yeah, a lot of the returning characters look like they're going to be a lot of fun to hang out with. Mimir, Mimir is probably my favorite character in God of War PS4. So I'm excited to see him come back and hear all of his stories. The troll, bro- troll dwarf brothers, they're dwarves, I think. Don't count me on that. There's some kind of brothers that make your armor and your weapons and all this other stuff i'm glad to see them back it's gonna look like it's like when you come home from being away for so long and there's friends to guide to welcome you back that's Mm -hmm. what that trailer felt like it was like they're all back (laughs) the gang's all here the gang's all here yeah but that's pretty much the ending of what i have to say with that and with the ps5 event as a whole i think it was really good Makes me want to get a PlayStation 5, which I wanted to get anyway. The only thing holding me back is the way that the game transfer works from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5. Yeah. Oh, there is one more thing that I want to talk about after okay. the PlayStation event, but then that's it. Okay. Um, yeah, I was just going to give some brief some brief thoughts about it as a PlayStation outsider who is interested in the idea of becoming more of a PlayStation gamer. I'd like to get a PS5 at some point just to have and also so i can play some of the exclusives that have been eluding me like hearing you talk about god of war makes me want to play it hearing hearing what everyone fall in love with the, the spider-man games and the last of us makes me want to go back and play those there's a lot that i've missed 
but I wouldn't I would be lying if I said this presentation ended up making me that much more excited for playing a PS5. Big issue for me is that most of the big the big hitters at the presentation were remakes, ports, sequels, remasters, and that felt like that was the vast majority of what we got. Like the Tiny Tina game, that's a spinoff if you want to count that too in that same ballpark. But we got, I think we also got, did we get the Alan Wake remaster talked about? Alan Wake remaster is coming October, but that is not limited to PlayStation. That's on okay. Xbox Series X, PC, uh, I, maybe even Switch, but don't count me on that. But it is okay. coming out on a lot of different platforms. Yeah, either way, like the stuff that they focused on, you had like the Alan Wake remaster, you had GTA 5 coming to, to next gen, which is just just hilarious at this point. You've got a sequel to Spider-Man, you've got, you got a sequel to God of War, you've got uh, the KOTOR remake. It's like all this stuff is probably going to be good in its own right, but it doesn't feel that exciting that we're just inundated with sequels, remakes, and ports right now. And th those are the big games that you're waiting for, at least on the PlayStation side of things. And obviously, like Xbox is the same. Like the big, the big hitter they've got coming is Halo Infinite, and that's a sequel to, you know, a 20 year old series that's had a bunch of installments. But I don't know. I feel like PlayStation's leaning especially hard into the remakes and sequels right now. And that's not as exciting for me, I wouldn't say. Now, to play devil's advocate, what Xbox has released this year and what they have planned is also a lot of yeah. remakes, remasters, re-releases. Because we had Psychonauts 2, sequel to a game that was so that was you know on the original Xbox. Forza Horizon, it's a sequel. Halo Infinite, it's a sequel. Fable, it's a reboot. Uh Hellblade, that's a sequel. I definitely feel that it's not just limited to PlayStation. I'm coming to PlayStation's defense, okay? That way they don't think that I'm just a Microsoft <laughs> fanboy, okay? I'm coming to your defense, Sony. It's it's both very hard right now. It's yeah. the remakes, the sequels, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and in fairness to you, I get all of that. Xbox has Xboxes that way, and they totally are. I was just looking at it from the standpoint that I own a Series X. All I have to do is just get the games now because I got the Series X. I have to buy a PS5 still. And I have other things I could spend money on rather than a PS5 and all those games. I still want to get one just to get one. But my whole point was that I wouldn't say that this presentation made me want to get one any more than I already did. Understandable. And once again, coming to Sony's defense, you know. <laughs> Here we go. They have the program, you know, their PlayStation Plus and all that stuff. But on PS5, mm -hmm. when you pay that $10, you automatically get access to God of War, Spider-Man, Uncharted, last of us i believe a couple of other games that you get automatically to start mm -hmm. you off so i feel like that might be somewhat enticing it's like oh this is their not competitor to game pass but this is their way to get you started on the playstation games uh relatively cheap so i feel mm -hmm. like that is their way of doing it but i will always say i don't like the way that sony does save migration their game migration upgrading to the new games the download speeds i don't like their ui the way that you have to activate 60 fps on the console there's just a lot of things that make it so much harder to actually get into playstation in my opinion mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with you all the things you just said are things that i really appreciate that microsoft has been doing more of in the last few years like my transition from xbox one to series x was seamless all my saves came over easily. All the games I was playing, I still had all that progress saved. It was easy enough to go back and forth between internal and external storage, all that stuff. They played as best as they possibly could immediately when I launched the game. Other than the Bethesda games, which got their weird frame rate update a few months ago, 
But other than that, I find Xbox has been much better in terms of just being user friendly. I user guess. friendliness and also video game. I don't want to say archival preservation. That's the word. Video game yeah. library preservation yes. is way stronger on Xbox than it is mm-hmm. on PlayStation. Yeah, that's definitely been my thing of like, this is why I don't like playing on PlayStation is because of how much harder they make it for me to keep my games and my save files. Yeah, like I've got games from the I've got games from the X, the Series X, the the Xbox One, the 360, original Xbox, the Dreamcast, from a bunch of other consoles that Microsoft, whether they've had to buy companies outright or whatever, that I can play on Xbox One, and I don't feel that there's that much to choose from in comparison on PlayStation in terms of in terms of older content, which a lot of you know if you've got longtime gamers, they want to play those older games to the fullest that they can. And if you're playing on Series X, you're playing the best version of something. Yeah, I, I know that people are going to be like, oh, well, they just sold out to Microsoft. We will gladly sell out to Microsoft. Microsoft, yes, you want to send us a bunch of money. Phil, <laughs> Daddy Phil, come on. <laughs> I, I've tweeted you. At, I've tweeted at you a couple of times. We will promote Game Pass. We will promote whatever you want. We will do it. We are yours. We are yours. That being said, I also do try to be fair on PlayStation and say, here's what I believe are reasonable things of why I prefer my Xbox. And I feel like that has come across well, personally with the people that I've talked to, they've said, no, Mm -hmm. you've brought up fair points and it's not just being an Xbox fan or anything like that. It is legitimate criticisms that hamper your experience than more than they hamper mine so it is what it is i'm just glad people are playing good games because i had people be like oh well what how do you feel about this game being sony exclusive huh what do you have over there xbox i'm like if people are playing good games that's great for the community i don't want like like as much as i don't like exclusives whether it's on xbox or playstation that's how the business works if they produce good games that's good for everyone Mm-hmm. just put a button on the conversation i think in general if you want new games playstation or nintendo is probably the, the better place to go but if you're a longtime gamer i think if you want to play a mix of old and new stuff xbox is probably the best place for you because nintendo isn't great about preservation they're still drip feeding you you know 30 year old games on their online service playstation doesn't have great backwards compatibility on the ps5 they've got weird integration with the ps4 even and they don't have much older stuff beyond that it just depends on the kind of gamer that you are. And I'm the kind of gamer who I love Nintendo games. So I bought old Nintendo consoles because they wouldn't let me play stuff on the Switch. And on the Xbox, I play a lot of older games on there because that's the stuff I'm interested in. I missed a lot of games growing up and I want to go back and play those. And Xbox has given me a way to do that. So that's what I prefer about Xbox. That's why I'm sticking with them. You know, not sticking solely with them, but that's why they gained a customer in me for the Series X because I was considering switching and I haven't switched yet. And that's, I, I feel like that's fair points, personally. So, yeah, that is pretty much all that. The last thing that I want to talk about in regards to games, I mean, I've played a couple things, but we, we have a very important main topic that we want to get to. So, I'm just <laughs> going to mention one quick thing is uh, Marvel's Avengers. Oh, good. <laughs> my my <laughs> guilty pleasure game that I have put too much time into. I'll uh, say. Give me one. Let me let me just pull this up real quickly. Jamie, Jamie, pull it up. Jamie, pull this up. Speaking of which, Rojogan has COVID. Don't listen to what he says. Uh, that's what I'll say about that. Does he still have it? Uh, he doesn't have it anymore. But you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel's Avengers. I have put sixty-two point three hours into this game. Uh huh. Mm. So they released their roadmap for uh-huh. the rest of the year. And in my opinion, there wasn't a whole lot that was interesting 
outside of a raid, which I don't know how that raid is going to work. I hope that they'd be like, all right, you can play with six people. But they said like, oh yeah, raid's coming. This is going to be part of that. But the big thing was Spider-Man was shown. Not shown. They said, all right, Spider-Man's coming by the end of the year. We knew that he was going to be a Sony exclusive. But they said like, oh yeah, the other consoles won't be dry around this time. And I'm like, what's going to live up to Spider-Man? I'm sorry. Like, you could give (laughs) us content, sure, but it's not going to live up to Spider-Man. It's... (sighs) It's hard to like this game because I do like this game, but there's so much wrong with it that I have acknowledged. I have criticized them on, but I I do like this game. And it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, this is a good game when it's not like (sighs) Eh, the monetization model bad. Mm -hmm. I did like the all the DLCs that they've done have been good. All the events that they've done have been good, but the skins, ugh. The way that they monetize the heck out of those skins, the bundles that they release for $30 that aren't even recolors or anything like that. They're just a shiny filter over existing skins. Ugh, it's just, ugh, it's so frustrating. The exclusivities, they had a five gum exclusivity. Then they had an Intel exclusivity to where if you had a specific CPU, you got more skins. I happen to get those skins. Um, they had PlayStation exclusivities. You got to play the beta in the game first on PlayStation. You get to play Spider-Man on the PlayStation and you can't play it anywhere else. And so it's like, there's a lot of practices in this game that I don't like, but I do like the game in total. I have spent $10 on this game because I didn't buy it. I got it for free. So I have paid Mm -hmm. this game $10 and that's pretty much where my money has stopped. That's as much as I have felt comfortable giving this game at the very least you didn't spend too much on it no i'm not someone i'm not like fortnite people that'll spend three four hundred dollars a season i know people like this you think i'm calling you out i am calling you out but you enjoy the game (laughs) but i i've been good about not spending money on this game i'm like i haven't bought a skin there's been mcu skins that look cool but i haven't bought them i bought the character character individual character battle passes which i don't like having to pay for i only bought one and that was for clint because clint's my favorite character i love hawkeye which hawkeye coming out later in this year gonna be good it's gonna be good folks i'm telling you matt fractions run up the character it's great and i'm glad they're using that for inspiration anyway um, bob sponsor us bob bobby chapping come on <laughs> sponsor me i will gladly sell my soul out for disney money okay uh um I'll we'll say I won't, and then I'll see that I'll see that check, and then I'll I might reconsider. Yeah, exactly. We'll do anything for money right now. <laughs> but yeah, it's Avengers is there. I haven't played it in two weeks. August twentieth was the last time that I played, so a little bit over two weeks. But I'm sad that I won't be able to play Spider Man because it's the thing with Marvel exclusivities is why like these characters. It's so weird that it's like oh. Sp- Anyone can be Spider-Man. If you pay $500 for a PlayStation 5, and if you pay another $400 for a PlayStation 4, and then another $60 to get Marvel's Avengers, and then another $80 to play Marvel's Spider-Man 2, it's like, ugh. (laughs) These characters are supposed to be for everyone, and I don't like when IPs do exclusivities for console. Anyways, it's a thing. But it's the way that the world works, so I live with it. 
that's it. I just wanted to mention that Marvel's Avengers had a roadmap that was disappointing. Well, I'm really glad we mentioned that. I'm really glad we keep talking about this game on the podcast. Yeah. Year two, baby. They they already <laughs> said they're coming back for 2022 with more content. So, oh boy, let's move away from this. Yeah. Nick, what have you been playing? We don't. OK, we are going a little long, so I won't talk into too much detail about what I've been playing. I'll probably have more to talk about next week on the game that I just got, which is WarioWare Get It Together. I played, I think, three or four hours of it early impressions are i like it a lot and i feel like there's not as much content as i want there to be but the core gameplay is good i'll report back with more next week uh, i've been playing a little bit more skyward sword i played through uh the other afternoon the day i had off of work i played like four hours straight of it i went through a whole dungeon and a whole uh section with some robot pirates that was really fun it's my favorite part of the game so far and i'm eager to get back to it uh, the big thing uh, that I've been playing on and off the last few weeks, we didn't get to talk about it last week because we had Cat on the show. Cat, thank you so much for being a guest. You were awesome. Uh, but you're not that much into video games, so we didn't talk about gaming when we were on here last week. A few weeks ago, I bought a Nintendo 64, which I've been waiting quite literally my entire life to buy since I chewed up the power cords to my original 64 that I had when I was four years old. Uh, ever since then, I wanted one, and I finally got one. Uh, I got three games that came with it. it. They were all Star Wars games. It was Shadows of the Empire, uh, the Pod Racer game, and the first Rogue Squadron. I own the Pod Racing game on the Switch already, so I haven't played too much of that. I played the first two missions of Shadows of the Empire, which I'm liking so far. Played the first two missions of Rogue Squadron, which I'm liking so far. So I've been enjoying those, and I bought the original Super Smash Brothers, which I've been playing on and off. Uh, I still enjoy it, even though, you know, compared to any of the later ones, it's kind of bare bones in terms of number of characters, the number of stages, and just the total amount of content. But I think if I take it to a party and play with some friends, we're going to have a blast with that. So I've been enjoying that. And then just today, while we were out and about, we took a little road trip to Wichita, stopped at a couple places there. I stopped at a used media store, and I bought WCW NWO Revenge, a wrestling game for the 64. And it's been retailing on eBay at like 20 to $30, and I found it for $8.99, which I was incredibly happy about. Played that a little bit when I got home. I'm enjoying it so far. And I'm just like the N64 is janky. Everyone knows that just because it was the first, you know, the first console that really put a heavy focus on 3D games. And there, it's, it's not always a smooth experience, but there is just a charm to those games that I can't overstate. Like even the even the bad, the bad parts of the games that I played so far, the janky parts, they're still charming as hell to me. And I'm very happy that with my purchase and I'm happy that this is going to be something that I keep building a collection up for in the next few years. So I've been having some fun. That's good to hear. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying your 64. I've mm-hmm. played it, you know, like maybe once or twice. I don't have this yeah. extensive collection, but I mean, N64 has some great games. And so I'm glad that you're being able to play them. Yeah, some of the best games I've already played on other consoles. So I'm like Mario 64, Ocarina of Time and Paper Mario is my favorite 64 game. Banjo-Kazooie. I played some of Banjo. I haven't beaten Banjo. I played that on Series X, which I talked about a little bit earlier. Um, rare replay. Series X, folks. Yes, Come rare on. replay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Phil. 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 Um, Phil. Come yeah, on. so that's that's what I've been playing. Uh, it's been a lot of little stuff that I've been playing a little bit of. Nothing that I've been devoting all my time to lately. Yeah, it's been the same thing with me. Like I, I jumped into Miles Morales again. I'm almost uh-huh. done with that again. Played some more God of War. Played some more Hades, which is probably the big thing that I've been playing is I've mm-hmm. been diving more into Hades. So more like a Lord of the Rings, you know, I've been playing here and there some things, but I haven't spent mm-hmm. a whole lot of time playing stuff. 
Yep. I bought some a couple Lego games recently, which I've been talking to you about. I haven't started playing any of them yet. I'm going to wait till I beat Skyward Sword to fully start a new story based game of any kind. Yeah. So that'll probably be in, the, in a couple weeks and I'll report back on those. Yeah, I I, he, I remember he said, oh, well, let me know if uh, if there's ever a Lego sale and there's always a Lego sale. <laughs> yeah. So I saw that there was one this week on Xbox and I said, all right, get I believe the games that I told you to get was the Marvel collection, which is like a Marvel one, two and Avengers with all the mm-hmm. DLC. I told you to get that one, which is what I got. You got that one. You didn't yeah, get, I didn't get any others. You didn't get Lego City Undercover, which was six bucks, which I do I already own that on I already own that on the Wii U. I haven't played it yet. Mm. I, I'm gonna say right now, don't play it on the Wii U. There is well, it's crap. <laughs> um, too late. So there's that. I told you to get DC Super Villains, which is a, a newer game, so it was a little bit uh-huh. pricier. That was about fifteen bucks. Um, yeah. I haven't played a whole lot of it, but I have started it, so that was fun. And I told you to get Lego Batman Three, which I like mm-hmm. the story minus two missions. But I hate the open world. But those are my Lego game recommendations for any of you that are interested in Lego games, which isn't a whole lot. Yeah, yeah I bought Lego Batman 2 uh, at Vintage Stock last week, which I was texting <gasps> I you Lego about. Lego Batman 2. Yeah, I bought that for my Wii U, so I hope it plays okay on the Wii U. I'll play I'll play probably that's the one that I'll play next. or Either that or Marvel Super Heroes 2 is probably what I'll play next. Yeah, th- those are two good games. I, okay. I think I, I prefer Batman 2 over superheroes 2 but superheroes 2 has a lot of good in it so yeah there's the lego talk for this week yep well i'm sure we'll find some way to put to talk about lego next week and maybe, <laughs> I'll, find and a, a, maybe I'll find a better way to mention avatar that, uh, next week because i just thought of it now yeah lego and avatar those are our two running gags so far mm-hmm. and marvel's avengers the square enix game apparently i've mentioned it twice okay we, we <laughs> mentioned lego and avatar way more than we do marvel's avengers yeah yeah but Moving away from video games, I saw a couple things this week. I didn't see a okay. whole lot. I didn't finish AP Bio, which I thought I was going to. I didn't. I continued watching Only Murders in the Building, which is okay. the true crime podcast with the Santa Claus 3's Martin Short. His best role. It's it's his best role. It's iconic. <laughs> and Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, and all that other stuff. This was a good episode. We got introduced to Tina Fey's character, so that was good. But outside of that, did I watch a movie this week? I don't think I watched a movie this week, so I didn't see a movie. Um, okay. You did see... Oh, wait. The big thing that I have been watching is I've been going back to rewatch Dear Evan Hansen, the stage play, the stage musical, before uh-huh. Kat comes over here and starts yelling at us. It's a stage musical. I've been going back to watch it to prepare for watching it this week uh me and my friend already said that we were going to so i will be going to see that um reviews have come out for the film and they're out there i don't want to say a whole lot about it because i will wait until i have at least seen it maybe we'll get cat on to talk about that episode with us um because we have very different opinions about it Mm -hmm. but that's the other thing that i've been watching is i've been going back to that to prepare myself and get ready for the film this week yeah yeah we've I, we talked about that a little bit as well i've been sending you some memes about the reaction to the movie that's been fun you you guys know how i feel about it you you know how manny feels about it for the most part we'll have more to talk about once i haven't decided if i'm going to see the movie yet but at least once manny sees it we'll talk about it in a few weeks yeah and it, and it's sad because it's by one of my it's the person that directed one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. but we'll uh we'll talk about it when we get there nick yep. you watched a couple things this week 
I did. Uh, let me pull up the letterboxed here. I should really be better prepared. I should have my letterboxed ready. Letterboxed Reeves 117. Yeah. Go follow. Reeves underscore 117. All right. So and in the last week, uh, I have watched I watched The Clockwork Orange for the first time last week. Uh, it's great. It's not my favorite Kubrick, but it's really great. Thank you, Elena, for bullying me until I watched that. The other night when I was staying in the hotel, I went to see Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings because they only had five movies playing there. And the other ones included Jungle Cruise, Free Guy, Paw Patrol, and Candyman, none of which I'm interested in. Now, in I particular. told you to go watch Paw Patrol, but you, <laughs> you didn't did. listen to me. You did. I watched the movie I, I watched the movie that you'd seen so we could discuss it a little bit. Yes. And we've talked about this at length privately and our Discord with other people, so I don't want to don't wanna rehash that conversation too much. I guess first before I say that, I'll talk about the experience that I had at the theater. So a shout out to the Hangar Cinema in Maryville, Missouri. It was a fun venue to see a movie at. It was a former aircraft hangar that has been turned into a movie theater slash arcade slash pizzeria. Uh, I, w- I wish I could have eaten some of the pizza, uh, but otherwise it was it was fun. I could literally see the walls of the hangar uh, in the auditorium I was in. They had the grooves in the walls like you would see in an aircraft hangar. And it just had like it looked like a layer of foam over it all to insulate it and keep the acoustics where you would want them to be. And it sounded better than I thought it would. The movie as a whole, it was okay. Uh, We've talked about it enough. I like Tony Long in it a lot. I mean, he's one of legit one of the greatest actors that we've ever had. And it's crazy that this was his first movie ever made in the States. Uh, But he was great in it. I thought Simu Liu was okay. I, I I wanted a little bit more from him than I got, but I thought he was fine. Aquafina was a little bit annoying. I don't blame her for that because I know she's a great actress and stuff like The Farewell. I just didn't love her material. There was some other some other stuff I wasn't as big a fan of that I won't go into detail on in case uh, you haven't seen the movie. I think it could be seen as a spoiler. Uh, so I won't go into too great a detail, but I thought it was okay. There was some stuff that was lacking. The, the fight choreography was a little better than you usually get in Marvel. I don't think it was insanely good or anything, but it was solid. Uh, the CGI wasn't so great. There was a lot of lot of characters just standing in front of very bad green screen backgrounds not even related to the action scenes it's just the conversation scenes that they didn't seem to bother to build sets for which was disappointing but as a whole it's fine it's not it's nothing too memorable but it's i've seen much worse i guess i could say did you want to talk about that at all well all i'll say is that nick thinks the movie is mid thinks <laughs> the movie's mid it's his favorite it's word slightly um, above mid i would say slightly above he went from mid to meh. I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. That is my lowest positive score. Which so is I did a give D, it a positive score. So he gave it a D for those of you keeping track. I hate that scoring. I hate I hate when I people hate. come back with that defense. I just hate scoring. scoring. To... I just say if I like a movie or not. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I need to. My brain works in a way that I need to rank everything in my head. That's mm. just how my brain works. I think rankings are overrated. But okay, good. Good for you. Your points that you've brought up about the film are fair. Not a whole lot of them seemed very snobbish. There were a couple that we have talked <laughs> okay. about before, but yeah, uh, for the most part, it's just a preference thing. Yeah, and I've you know I fell off Marvel a couple years ago, and you know it's just I my tastes have changed. We talked about that in the film school episode. Uh, my tastes have changed, and it's not as much my thing anymore. I went in giving it a shot. I was hopeful. It it was about it was about what I expected. It's not bad at all. There's nothing I would say that is terrible that just ruins the movie or anything like that. It's totally watchable. So if you're into Marvel, I'd say you'll probably enjoy it. So if you want to go see it, go see it. 
After that, I watched uh, Ghidorah, the Three-Headed Monster from 1964, the first Godzilla movie where Godzilla is actually not the villain. He sort of becomes the good guy at the end because a bunch of the monsters have, have to team up to fight Ghidorah. And my favorite part of this is that Mothra is the voice of reason trying to bring Godzilla and Rodan together to fight Ghidorah at the end. And Mothra has these two little fairy women that are her spokesperson, and they're translating the entire conversation as she's trying to unite Godzilla and Rodan. And she's telling them to let bygones be bygones, and Godzilla is insisting that Rodan apologize to Godzilla, which is just funny to think about Godzilla not helping save the world until another monster gives him a, a verbal apology. And then they unite together, and it's a fun fight at the end, but the movie as a whole is not good. Moving on from that, I watched Tim Burton's Batman again uh, for the first time in probably five, six years, I think. Uh, I used to think it was okay, and now I actually think it's pretty good. I like Michael Keaton more than I used to in the role. I, I love Michael Keaton as an actor, and I never thought this was him at his strongest, but it clicked for me a little more this time. I don't think it's great, but it's really solid. Jack Nicholson plays a good Joker. I think I have more appreciation for the filmmaking in that movie than I used to. Um, I like I like Tim Burton's style in those Batman movies. I'm probably going to rewatch Batman Returns pretty soon. Yeah. Do you have any feelings about the Tim Burton movies? They are classic. The best part about them is the Prince score. It's not a score. He actually he, does, yes, does the a Prince album. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they, they play two of them in the movie. I don't remember what two they're called off the top of my head. Yeah. But Prince is the best part of those movies. I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. He, those songs yeah, are great. He went hard. I, I like the movie. I like the movie overall, but the, those yeah. songs are great. He was killing it in the studio. Yeah. Last movie, which is one that you and I can talk about a little more together. I rewatched in, in honor of Cody from the Wenger show. He did a solo commentary of this movie. 2014, John Favreau directed Chef, which I only saw once around the time it came out. I loved it then. I watched it again and I still love it now. How do you feel about it, bud? I've seen Chef, I think, three or four times. I love the film. It is just, it's one of those things where everyone talks about how Ratatouille is the perfect, like, creator's movie. I think Chef is right up there with it as well because so much of this story was taken from Jon Favreau's experience, was specifically Iron Man 2. And I feel like... I mean, obviously the character's written for him. When we talk about, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda writing films or musicals for him to be in, I feel like this is the same thing with Favreau. I mean, he wrote the yeah. film. It's a very personal story for him. And I feel like we see catharsis throughout the movie, not only for his character, but also for himself, to where mm -hmm. he was able to get to a point of being not proud, like proud again of the stuff that he has done, but feeling confident again after being being criticized so heavily for something and it's the character arc of carl and it's the character arc of john favreau coming to terms with the things that happened uh with regards to iron man 2 specifically and how to move past that and being able to actually trust a big corporation big trust fund again is kind of that thing but it's mostly about finding your passion for something that you love again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a totally accurate reading of that movie. I didn't, you know, I was it was 2014, maybe 2015 when I saw that movie. And I was into movies. I wasn't nearly as into them as I am now, obviously. So I don't know if I had that reading of this is him working through working through his experience on Iron Man 2 playing out before my eyes. I didn't have 
I don't know if I had that perspective back then. I see it everywhere in that movie now. It's incredibly obvious if you know what happened with that movie. And you just, you know, you follow movies in general. This is a director working, very clearly working through that stuff on screen. And I think there's a lot of that there. I, I resonated with that in the sense that it's, you know, this has happened to a lot of filmmakers and they haven't all had the chance to make a movie that very clearly discusses all this. And in the process, he was able to make a movie that he's able to do one of his own passions, which is cooking. He's, you know, he's done the chef show on Netflix the past couple of years since then. And you can tell how much this is something he loves to do. So it was just in every way, it was him as a person and and the character he portrayed finding his passion again. He found he was able to merge his passions for cooking with his passion for filmmaking. He's able to able to make something that was smaller, more intimate and more him personally. And I think that shows on screen. I think he gives a delightful performance. And I think he's got great chemistry with pretty much everybody in that movie. It seems like everyone is having a blast in that movie. And that kind of energy translates to when you're watching at home. Because this is one of the easiest movies to watch that I've ever seen, I think. Like, it's just a breeze every time. Well, I don't want to say every time. But both times I've seen it, it's been a breeze to watch. And I just want to watch it again afterward. Yeah. Uh, there's an actor that I mentioned two episodes ago that shows up in this film who I genuinely do really enjoy when they show up in things. Could you name the actor? Oh, God. Who's in this movie? Bobby Cannavale. There we go. Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. I, I like Bobby Cannavale. I like his role in this. And I like that sort of that scene when uh, Dustin Hoffman says like oh i'll just get him to make it he's been doing half of it for you and he just sort of has to accept like this is something that i want to do and this is something that i need to do and i'm sorry if this does anything between our friendship but it's yeah. something to progress me forward and i don't mean this like in any harmful way but it's yeah. it's not even when they talk like at the bar after it's nothing malicious with it no even like he understands no this is i'm i'm proud of you i'm happy for you and it's that kind of things it's it's a feel good movie it, it's yes it's extremely sometimes so. like it's not like hard to watch or anything like that but it can get to that point of like oh this is a dad who you know got divorced and you know he's trying to be a better dad to his son but working through all that stuff, working through his own lack of passion for cooking, even though he knows he's a good chef, he just hasn't mm -hmm. been able to express it again. And I feel like this movie does a great job with all that stuff. The food, uh, you mentioned his love for cooking. I believe he learned how to cook for chef. He didn't know how oh, to okay. cook beforehand. I'm pretty sure that he learned hmm. it all for the film. I mean, it shows uh, he, mm -hmm. he's he gone on. You look to, at him cutting those vegetables and he looks like a seasoned veteran. Yeah, I mean, him and Chef Roy Choi, they uh -huh. they bonded. They He took him under his wing. He broke him down to be a better cook. And, mm -hmm. I mean, you see it. It's It looks great. That grilled cheese scene when oh, he makes my the grilled God. cheese. Mm, mm, that scene and oh. then Scarlet's Pasta, which is what they call it. They just call it Scarlet's Pasta. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen the binging with Babish episode that they did with John Favreau, but they make the pasta. Okay. Yes, they make the pasta in that episode. I'm, I'm. Sometimes I confuse them because they did a collaboration where he showed up on the Chef Show and then they showed up oh, on yeah, yeah. binging with Babish. So I get whatever they made confused. My parents watched the Chef Show. I've seen some of it, and I think I saw the episode with Babish on it. I was like, "Oh, that's a YouTuber guy. I've yeah. seen him before." No, it's a, it's a delightful film. I want beignets mm -hmm. every time I watch that movie. I'm like, <laughs> I gotta go to New Orleans and get some beignets. 
Um, Every time I watch that movie, I want to try a Cuban sandwich again, even though I know they're not totally my thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Leguizamo. I know a lot of people have Luigi. Yes, Luigi. Uh, Also the pest. A lot of people have their thoughts about John Leguizamo. I think he's great in the film. I I generally like John Leguizamo. I do too. As a person and as an actor, I think he's actually pretty good in a lot of the stuff that he's in, but I really like his Mm -hmm. role. In this film, I like the buddy nature with him and John Favreau. It's it's great. Sofia Vergara is great in the film. Scarlett Johansson is great for the little moments that she's in there. Um, yeah, it's it's a feel good movie. It's a delicious movie to watch. It's it's a great father son movie, even if it is sometimes heartbreaking to see the things that do happen, specifically early on in the film. As it progresses, it becomes a lot more lighthearted but at the beginning he is shown to be sort of a deadbeat dad yeah but even that isn't the most like he's not abusive to his son he's not no again he's emotion- it's not none of it is like malicious yeah he's just not emotionally there a lot of the yeah. time so hadn't found a connection yeah and they were able to find the connection so i i love chef i think it's a great film everyone should go watch it i'm glad that mm-hmm. cody finally saw it I hope more people go see it because it is it's great. It's on Netflix currently. I showed my friend it in the beginning of the year and she loved it. And she was like, oh, OK, we need to go get food now. And we did. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you said it was a delicious movie because I think on my, I haven't my Blu-ray is back on the shelf. I, I can't pull it right now. But I think that's a critic quote on the front of the movie is that it was like a deliciously delightful experience or something. A deliciously good time. Yeah. The most you've ever sounded like a critic was right there. I can sound like a critic. I can go and sound like a critic. <laughs> I will I will go do hashtags and everything. I will say, wow, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This episode of Ted Lasso. Uh, no, hashtag Ted Lasso. I can't say anything, but wow. When that scene, capital T-H-A-T-S-C-E-N-E, when that scene happened, oh my God. Boom. No, the most the most you've actually sounded like a critic is earlier when you were asking uh, p- the heads of corporations to send you free stuff. That's the most you've ever sounded like a that critic. True. Hey, Daddy <laughs> Phil, come on, come on. I, Phil, I'm not joking. Bob, hit Phil, us up. I will. I will promote Xbox. Yeah, uh, but Chef we started watching one thing this week. We did. Speaking of connections, yes, it's one of those things that I had I had seen the previous season of. And I told myself I wasn't going to watch this season because I was like, I don't care. I don't want to. One season was enough. We started watching because of our friend Elena. Elena, they wanted us to watch the show. And we did. Uh, We started watching Bachelor in Paradise. We did. Yeah. So, Nick, I've seen Bachelor in Paradise. What is it like for you coming into this show? Um... So I'd never seen anything Bachelor related before. I had seen some reality TV. I watched a bunch of seasons of Survivor and Big Brother growing up. Uh, I don't know what else I've seen other than that. There's probably some. uh, But that was it in terms of like competition reality shows. Uh, Bachelor, I had heard a little bit about because a show that you and I listened to a few years ago, Collider Live, they talked about it on there a lot. And I would just kind of zone out. I, I, you know, some of the names registered with me because I heard them so much, but the conversations didn't really hit for me. I heard that Bachelor in Paradise was the most fun of the Bachelor shows to watch because it was trashy to the nth degree and it's just ridiculous. And it's much more unstructured, which I, which is something that surprised me because we've watched, I think, four episodes and we've only had one of the rose ceremonies. Like it feels like 
it feels like we had one in the very first episode and then we've been waiting since then and we haven't gotten any and it feels like they're just tracking it out so long uh, we've got i think three or four episodes to catch up on but it's kind of unstructured it's it's like such bullshit it's like it's like if mario party were an actual thing they just keep bringing in random elements to fuck the game up more and more and it's it just gets more and more ridiculous like they start with i think it was 20 people at the at the beginning of the season and they brought in more girls and then more guys and then more girls and then more guys even after people went home the first week and i'm yeah. like this is so unfair because not all these people are starting from the beginning of the competition it's just like very transparent that the producers behind the show are throwing things in to try and keep things interesting and it's funny to watch something that transparent because reality tv is obviously trashy for the most part and people enjoy it i think people most people understand that trashy aspect aspect of reality tv and they enjoy it accordingly it's it's trashy in the best way and this show i feel like is especially trashy mm. for for all the good and all the bad that comes with that and i was kind of dreading watching it i thought okay elena elena loves this show uh, they they want us to watch it and I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I watched one episode at the hotel the other night just because I was bored and had nothing else to do. And the three of us were talking about it and it was more fun than I thought it would be. And then we watched some of some more of it together and it kept being fun and it's horrible, but it's also the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those kinds of shows. I had seen uh -huh. the previous season because of Collider Live. I wanted to see what all the big hubbub was about. I enjoyed myself thoroughly, but I also hated myself. Um, yes. It's one of those shows where it's like, yeah, this is really bad, but I'm loving it. But I also hate that I like it. As you mentioned, you know, it was 10 guys, 13 girls, three went right. home. So then by the time they, they came, it was 10 and 10. But in episode mm -hmm. four, they introduced three people, three more I think guys. Episode three, they because episode three they brought those people in. Was it? Yes, because okay. yes, because well, episode no, three, episode two, they had no. Episode four is when they introduced the two guys, Chasen and something else. Yes, episode, episode three is when they brought in. I think uh, Thomas and Riley. Oh, and Thomas. So they've brought in yes. four guys. <laughs> God, yeah. I know these people's names already. I feel I hate myself so yeah, much. See, I, I I'm getting there, but yeah. I don't know everybody's names because there's still 23 people there or however many yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I know that like the established couples are Abigail and Noah, uh -huh. Joe, Joe and, and Serena, Serena. <laughs> Joe yep. and Serena, grocery store Joe, who has become the unlikely uh -huh. hero. I remember when we started it, we were like, who's this? Who's this <laughs> oh, guy? So boring. so boring, so plain and all this stuff. And then we're like, he's too nice for this show. Yeah, and then we're like, oh, no, wait, we want Joe to be happy. And it looks yeah. like episode five, which I think we're going to watch oh, after gonna we get record this. <laughs> episode five is going to get Oh, real. I knew that. I knew Trashy. it was coming too. I, I there was no way they were mentioning that that person oh, no. that much, and they, then not, they did not this, bringing her in. They did this last season where they mentioned that Demi had a girlfriend, and then they brought her girlfriend onto the show. Oh yeah, yeah, they yeah. mentioned they will mention people like oh Blake. Blake was the big guy last season who had just like slept around with everyone, and so there mm -hmm. was like hubbub about him coming to the island. They're like, well, I know that him and Christina were like kind of a thing, and then what do you know? Christina shows up, and the <laughs> drama ensues. And then she oh hates that side of the beach. They hate the other side of the beach. Blake has to apologize to literally everyone the entire season because of just how much he screwed a lot of things over. So, yeah, they definitely bring in a lot of people that are, you know, from the Bachelor universe that may or may not have yeah. been love interests. Yeah, well, the thing you mentioned with Demi is interesting because, like, at least in the case of Joe, his ex was a contestant. That's how they got together, right? 
Yeah, she was a contestant. Yeah, he they got together on Bachelor in Paradise season five. I believe we're okay. on season seven. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but in Demi's case, they literally just brought someone who hadn't been on the show before onto the show, right? Her girlfriend? Yeah, Demi's girlfriend was not part of the show. It was <laughs> someone that they had met outside, you know, through other means outside of the Bachelorverse. But demi had sort of been like well i miss her and i'm not really finding anyone here there was one guy that uh derek derek looks like a discount john krasinski he looks like if you buy john krasinski from uh from, from wish, wish. Um, second time you've made that joke today <laughs> listen you buy a lot of things from wish you end up with a lot of things yeah. um, and i'll make the same joke we've got john krasinski at home yeah we got john krasinski at home she was sort of you know hanging out with him a lot and then he got friend zoned real hard and became sort of that like guy best friend that you're there with and mm-hmm. so they brought her girlfriend on and they ended up getting engaged on the show and then they broke up and so now demi's back and yeah interesting enough in season six of bachelor in paradise she was much more of a baby face but i mean this season she's gone full heel She's not mm-hmm. messing around. She wants love. So it's been interesting yeah. to see. She was the one, we talked about this a little bit already. She's the one Bachelor contestant I like actually knew because randomly for like two or three weeks last year, WWE had her on a few shows. Uh, she was like a love interest to a few of the wrestlers and they never really went anywhere with it. But like that's how I knew her. And their presentation of her on that was like a straight up baby face. And I didn't know if that was them reflecting how she was on the show at that time or if they were just like none of them had actually watched the show and they just had a celebrity that came in but it was it was weird and they didn't really go anywhere but i at least knew who she was on this show because of that yeah wrestling heals the world i guess is what we're trying to yeah, say everything is wrestling everything 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 ties back to wrestling in some yeah, way exactly just like that wrestler who believes that everything is mid in the midwest everything is wrestling mm-hmm. everything ties maxwell back. jacob friedman Mac- yeah. he is my spirit animal at least he was this week yeah mjf mjf yeah it was a great it was actually a really funny clip from aew <laughs> you did it really <laughs> i well. shared it in the discord and i said it was me getting a live mic yeah it was you yeah. he just channeled the inner <laughs> nick reeves in him but yeah bachelor in paradise it's been the show that i returned to that i didn't want to Mm-hmm. But we're doing it, and maybe, just maybe, we'll get some people on to talk about Bachelor in Paradise. Who knows? Maybe yeah, we'll message when the season's De- over. Yeah, maybe we'll message Demi and be like, "Hey, come on our podcast." <laughs> she might. You never know. You never know with people. I mean, we've got like you know dozens of listeners. Dozens. And she can't pass up that listenership. Yeah, exactly. We got like almost almost a number of listeners. Is there anything else you want to bring up with Bachelor in Paradise? Um, I feel like we've talked about the main points. I mean, we're obviously, we've still got a long way to go on it. We've got, I think, three episodes to catch up uh, before we're caught up on the show. And then I think it's down to one a week. I think it was two it a week is, for the first yeah, few it's weeks. Yeah, going back to, to one a week on Tuesdays. Yeah. So. Yeah, that'll, that'll help us stay caught up. And at the end of the season, like you said, we'll probably have some people on to talk about the show in full. And whether I watch any more of any Bachelor shows after this season, we'll wait and see. But you'll be back for what it is for what it is so far i'm enjoying it yeah no it's one of those shows and i hate myself for it yeah you hate yourself for liking it but i mean it's it's interesting television to say the least we've had a lot of reactions when we talk about it yeah it's the funniest it's the funniest show of 2021 i'll say that 
I, I, yeah, there's been some really funny stuff on it <laughs> that have happened. Have, have you ever been dumped by your girlfriend and then the next morning you responded by putting on an orange romper and, and singing a sad song with your guitar on the beach? Because if you haven't, then you're not as funny as The Bachelor in Paradise. I'm sorry. Listen, I will say I did like that fit. I, I actually did like that <laughs> look. Okay. Everyone was complimenting him on it. It's a good and it was look. funny because he was I'll like showing it off like he was on a runway and he was so awkward. I'll be honest. It was a good look. I would I would wear it again. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you would do something else. And I was like, oh, OK. No, I, I'd wear it again. But yeah, that's that's pretty much Fashion in Paradise. You know, Tajwan is there yeah. complaining. She's there. Every, she's every always episode. she's always too warm. She's always too warm. She doesn't go on dates. She's mad about <laughs> birds. It, oh, crabs. Crabs is her thing. Ugh. Oh, I love the cuts to B-roll of the animals of the on the animals. beach. It's my favorite thing. There was the commercial for, I think, episode four, where it ends on a bird screaming. No, it ends on a, yeah. on a shot of a bird, but there's like a scream in the background. That's the uh -huh. funniest edit of the year right there. I don't think anything's going to beat that. Uh, the, the Bachelor yeah. editors are actually funny. They're great. Then they, They're fully aware of the show that they're making. They are like the little... Uh, subtitles for the names at the bottom yep that they they know and they're actually uh -huh. good i do like the bachelor I, I will say i do like bachelor editing yeah it's it's funny like aesthetically how cheap the show looks for how expensive it probably is <laughs> like the the little okay the little in-between set when when new people go and meet the host before they get to the island that is totally not on location. Like, it does not feel that way to me whatsoever. It looks like a little close set that they put some palm trees in or whatever, and then they walked into the actual the actual island set that they have. It looks terrible. I don't know what to tell you. I think that's actually real. Okay, then it looks terrible. It looks like a, f it looks like a close set. Yeah. It doesn't look like they're on location for at least that part. And I know they've got, like, they don't really show you, but they do have, obviously, a like a, a little house or apartment structure where everybody stays. They have two. One for guys, one for girls. Okay. Um, I'm sure they, yeah. sure they never mingle whatsoever. No, the boom boom room doesn't exist. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fucking boom boom room. But yeah, that, that was like one of the first things that we, like I started the episode and I immediately said, why is this in 60 FPS? <laughs> I said the cinemotion was left on. <laughs> motion smoothing motion smoothing yeah you, you'll you get a very stern video from chris mccory and tom cruise being like why are you filming in 60 fps bachelor yeah. which is weird because when we play video games we're always like oh yeah more frames the better but mm -hmm. in movies like movies and stuff, hey I, I saw i saw two of those hobbit movies in 48 frames a second it's weird I don't hate it is the thing because no, I'm so it's used just to... it just does. It's like my brain registers that it doesn't feel right because I'm used to 24. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I personally don't hate it, but I know that there's no. like a whole backlash about keep films in 23.98 FPS. And I'm just like, OK, <laughs> I, th I think it looks best at that frame rate. I'll say that when I like when I'm at someone's house. Uh, for a holiday or whatever and they've got something on the tv and the motion smoothing's on I, th I don't think it looks nearly as good but it's not like i wouldn't say it's completely unwatchable it's just not optimal to me in the slightest yeah but on tv reality tv and soap operas like that's what i expect so it doesn't really bother me yep i think that's it for this episode we ran through a lot of stuff we did go through a lot <laughs> for all the people who uh don't listen to the gaming chats in here i'm so sorry I'm just I, I feel bad for you because 
we had two weeks of gaming to get off our chest and we spent most of the episode on that yeah that like first hour was mostly gaming yeah but oh i had fun it's our show it is indeed our show we'll talk about whatever we want the show ends when we die nick let them know where they can find you uh as usual you can find me on twitter instagram and letterboxd at reeves underscore 117 uh bad tweets bad takes that's that's what i'm about Boom, we love it. Nick Nick has the worst takes of all time that I've ever seen. <laughs> it's not true. You're not Armand 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 wow, Armand White. But I'm not David Ehrlich. Yeah, no. Uh but you are up there sometimes. Uh you okay. can find me on Twitter, Star Wars Nerd Nine. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Anchor, pretty much all that stuff. And 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 there is another way of listening to the show that's coming out soon. Oh that i am working on and i will make sure to keep you guys informed on that but stay tuned for that what could it be i wonder what it could be i i wonder what you'll have to find out soon yeah but that's it for nick and manny's infinite podcast thank you guys for listening this week and we will see you guys next week Eh, maybe not next week but we'll see you guys next time (laughs) we will see you soon soon is the word soon is the word thanks everybody